Good morning, church. Good morning, city lifers and visitors. Welcome to church again. Week, uh, first week of April, April Fool's Day. Uh, just passed, but I, I have no joke for you, but happy April Fool's Day. Uh, it's my honor to be here to be bringing us the word again today. And uh, really quick, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Pedro Reese. And uh, I encourage anyone who's been here for a while hiding online or just checking us out, or even if this is your first Sunday, hit that link below the I'm new button. We want to uh, get to know you. I, let's go have a cup of coffee. Let's go have dinner at some point. Like, let's share our lives, which is what we are all, feel called to do as a church. And so, yeah, let us know that you're here. Let us connect with you. Get to know each other. Walk to know Jesus. Explore faith um, wherever you're at. Let's, let's do it together. Uh, this week also, just as a commercial, uh, our, one of our downtown MC, one of our MCs, Moth MC, is meeting at Smorgasbar, right downtown. I think it's on 2nd Street on Thursday, weather permitting Thursday at around 7.30 p.m. And so meet us there if you want. All are invited to be there. Um, it's going to be a good time where we can be together. And so, yeah, let's get to the sermon today. Um, today's a bittersweet day for me. It's bittersweet. The bitter and the sweet is that we're finishing, this is the last Sunday of our sermon series, Open Table. I have loved every single week because, um, like, when, when I'm here preparing for this and teaching and, like, preaching and, like, learning and reading, like, I, this is happening in my own heart, too. And so this has been a really sweet time for me and my faith with Jesus to, like, just see what, how he met us at the table. Uh, it's been really nice for my soul and for my like rejuvenating my walk with Jesus. I pray it's been that same way to you. But every uh, good sermon series needs to end at some point. And so this is the last day of our sermon series. And throughout the whole sermon series, we have had one thing in mind. Like one thing we've tried to accomplish in the, I think this is week 12 or 13. And it's to look at the book of Luke. Uh, the book of Luke, more than the other Gospels, outlines Jesus, like God, coming to earth to pursue everyone who's lost, to pursue sinners, to pursue people who are broken, who are forgotten, who the religious structure has set aside. Like Luke is about God who lost his people and came back to invite them back to him, to make a way for them to meet him again. And so he does this, one of the ways he does this most clearly is that 10 times he goes, shows Jesus at the table with somebody, with a group of people, with many different people. Some of them he hosts, but most of them he like was the invitee. And he met people and like he brought the kingdom of God one bite at a time. Like he showed us who God was and what he cared about and who he would serve. He served everyone and like sometimes he had harsh words, but they were always spoken in love and truth. And like, oh, he like, he had beautiful, beautiful, sacred encounters with people left and right. The table is so significant because like, it just, that's like where we can meet God. And every week I've come up here and I've had some version of like why this is important. And this week in MC, I have to give the credit to Devin um, in, in MC, at Moth MC on Thursday. She like, said something that I just like, yeah, I knew, but I hadn't connected with yet emotionally. It's like, the table is also special because it's where we find our limitations. 
Like we know that we need to go back to get replenished. We need to go back to eat. It like shows us our humanity as well. Like it shows us that like Jesus had to go back to the table. He put on our, our limitations on him as well. And he met us at the table and he like served every single one of us. And every time somebody went to the table with him, he gave them the right thing to eat. Whether it was love, like forgiveness of sins, healing great teaching, hard teaching, challenging teacher, and also giving us warnings. Like he met us at the table and he gave us truth every time. And so the table is like a special, the table can be a sacred moment. And so like really quickly in this sermon series, we started with Levi. Jesus called Levi and then went to this sinner's house where this sinner invited other sinners and like Jesus started his scandalous, like his scandalous campaign to get all of the sick people. He said, like, I, I'm a good physician and I've only come for people who are sick. Like people who are healthy have no need of me. Okay, like scandalous. This, this guy is okay with being around like the sinners. And then he went to like a horrible host's meal. He went to a Pharisee's house who treated him very poorly. But then he met this uninvited, un, unnamed, uninvited woman who poured every bit of her soul into Jesus. Every bit of her resources, like her tears, her dignity, her womanhood, like she gave it all to Jesus and left him like, with peace. Left all her worries on Jesus' feet and his hands and, and left with peace. And then we saw Jesus get interrupted. His plans got interrupted. He's going somewhere with disciples. And then people found out and they came. And out of nowhere and in a desolate place, Jesus somehow fed 10 to 25,000 people with scraps. And at the end of that meal, every disciple had a basket of fish and of, of loaves of bread to like hold and like try and process what in the world did he just do? This guy is special. Every disciple had a basket to carry and be like, wow, what did we just witness? And then from the feeding of the 5,000, like Jesus goes to the Pharisee's table and he has the courage to match their silence with the truth. And he pronounces woes on them. Three woes to the Pharisees, three woes to the lawmakers. He's like, I just, I need to tell you this because you're keeping people away from God and that's like not okay. He loved them and served them in truth. He'll speak to us when we need like a warning. He went again to the Pharisee's house on a Sabbath and he healed a man with dropsy. And then he told two stories and teaching us how his kingdom is fundamentally different than ours. It's not built on scarcity or poverty like what we're taught, but it's like fundamentally built on this economy of generosity. Like, there's no end to Jesus' generosity. And then after that, he goes to Jericho and finds the smallest and potentially the shortest man in the whole city. And with even just a threat of the table, he invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house, and then Zacchaeus' eternity is changed forever. Like, Jesus, like, knew Zacchaeus and sought him out on his way to the cross. After that, we looked at Jesus taking the holy Passover meal and like redefining 
not even not just that meal but all of life to say this has all been about me like everything that's good is a glimpse of me this has all been about me like i am going to come and suffer and die on this cross but that's not going to be the end of my story redefining all of life in himself in this one meal right like not too shabby to accomplish in one meal and then the last two weeks have been two post-resurrection meals that jesus shared the first one with two disciples uh, on their way to Emmaus and then at Emmaus where they were kept from seeing him and then he broke the bread and then they op- their eyes were open. They saw him and like he literally vanishes. He ghosts them. And then the second meal where he just out of nowhere appears to the disciples and asks them for some fish. He's like, I'm out. Do you have something to eat? I'm hungry. Like, oh, like rich, beautiful theology. That Jesus cares about what happens here and he calls his people to like be invested here. And so like, okay, we're like done. Last week we finished up Luke. And so what now? Like, why is this sermon series going one more week? And we're here because there's one more meal we have to talk about. There's one more table that like we have to talk about. There's one table that's in front of us in history that has not happened yet. And it's like the hope of all of creation, whether we know it or not, it's in front of us and we're longing for this and it has not happened yet. And the church and all of creation waits with bated breath. Like one more table that we still have not seen yet that we're waiting on. And so our big idea for today, like the one thing that's governing everything I pray that I say, is that the marriage supper of the Lamb is what creation is waiting for. One more table in the future. The marriage supper between the church and the Lamb. And it's coming, and then everything will be made right. And so let's pray. Let me pray really quick. We pray that like, the Holy Spirit is here in the space and with us in person as we worship right now and uh, just like give him the floor to bring his life to work, bring his word to life in our hearts. And so uh, pray with me. Jesus, I thank you for this day and I thank you for this one more meal that's in front of us that no one has ever seen or tasted yet, Lord, that uh, like all of creation, not just humanity, but all of creation longs for. I pray that you would like make your word come alive in our hearts and in our spirits this morning, Lord, that even just like in reading your word, you do mighty things in our hearts. Prepare us, Lord, and uh, set us up for the invitation that like you have in store for us. And so uh, I pray, I pray that you be with us. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my preaching in this, in the hearing of your word, Lord. You're welcome in every single part of what we are doing love you and we gather in your name i pray all this in jesus name amen amen so let's read the word for today today we are going to be at the very end of this almost the very end of this book we're reading in revelation chapter 19. revelation chapter 19 verse 6 the word of the lord says this then i heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like a roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deed of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, 
Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the, these are the true words of God. This is God's word. Originally, this last week wasn't in this sermon series, but then like as we got into it, like I, I like realized that like we cannot talk about Jesus bringing people to the table without talking about this last one, without talking about the one that like is all of our hopes. It's like our undying hope. This is like what the church is waiting for. This is what all of humanity is longing for. This is like the meal that we've all been made for, whether we know that or not. Like. This is, this is the meal. This is the meal that like, has not even happened yet. And we're, like, it's coming. And we're just like, wait, we have to wait for it. But like, uh, we read from Revelation, and we haven't had context in Revelation. So let's talk a little bit about redemption's story. I, I feel often that there are a few different types of people who read Revelation. Like once you get to it, this is like a few people Three people are this, is like someone who just read it to say that they read it. This is a checklist person. You read it, you read every word, even though like none of it makes sense. And you plan on like never going back to it, but you did it. And so you're like, done, you've read the whole Bible. And so like, yeah, that's great. Like check, it's done. There's also like a, the, another person who reads it and is just like so confused and they're trying and trying and trying to make sense of all the imagery here. And like you just don't, you give up and you say, okay, never again. There, I'm done with Revelation. Maybe someday somebody will be able to make sense of it for me, but I'm like, I'm pretty much done. And then there's like the type of person who I am most afraid of. And it's the person who is like maybe just prone to conspiracy theories a little bit more. Maybe prone to some narratives about like, oh, like, oh, like I, I have to unlock the code. And so you read Revelation and you believe in like the Bible code. If you've never heard of that, Google it, but don't believe in it because it's not good. It was like, there's a secret message in here. All of this, like we have to make sense of every single word. And there's a code written in here. This is too apocalyptic for it not to make sense. And like you go and looking for words to make sense is like, if you look long enough, anything can say anything that you want. And so like, please do not believe in the Bible code. Do not invest in that because it will waste your time. But Revelation is like this crazy, fantastic story. Like the imagery in here is just so unique and like unlike anything else that you ever encounter right it's like it's so much the imagery is so much that like you can't get lost in it like even just this like a couple of there's like 20 you got to heaven john gets goes up to heaven he gets this vision of heaven there are 24 thrones like they shine there the one throne shines like emeralds and rainbows uh there are monsters in the story there's a whore in the story that gets killed there's a drag a monster that gets killed right and then there's like four living creatures who are covered in eyes in front and in behind and one of these creatures looks like a lion one looks like an ox one has the face of a man and one looks like an eagle. It's just like, just crazy. There's this one person who with a sword coming out of his mouth. There's a rider on a horse. There's a lion. There's a lamb. It's just like, at some point, it's like, this is just getting crazy. All like, what's the point of all of this? And like, it's really easy to get lost in all of the images and forget that the story being told is actually quite simple. Like the, the images are complex and they're not like written for us or written for ancient readers. 
But the story is simple. It's simple to understand. Revelation is telling us that like the end will come. That God promises that he'll bring his kingdom and he will reign in full at the right time. That yeah, there's going to be suffering before then. There's going to be a lot of suffering before then. The church is going to go through a lot, right? And I, like I don't know how to explain everything here. Like I, there's to tell you the truth, no one knows 100% how to decipher all of this. But like the promise is this: that the end will come and everything will be made right. That Jesus will uphold His church until the right moment, and then His kingdom will come. And everything that's like new is going to come. That like starting in verse 21, uh, in chapter 21, verse 5, is like, I'm making everything new. Everything's going to be made new. The new heaven and the new earth are going to come that he talks about in Isaiah 65. The new garden of Eden is going to come that we like see the first one in Genesis 2 and then in Ezekiel 47. The new Jerusalem from Isaiah 2 and Zephaniah 3 are going to come. The new humanity that we're promised is going to come with new hearts that we read about in James and in uh, Hebrews. Like the Revelation's images are complex and crazy. Not crazy, but like out there. But the story is simple. That God's redemptive plan will come at the right time. And sin will be no more, death will be no more, tears will be no more, and like we will reign and live in God's presence unfiltered and in its fullness. And that change, that time that's coming is going to be marked by one more table. It's going to be the wedding feast that we're all waiting for. It's a short passage here, there's like three, really four verses, five verses, but it's like so like beautiful and today I like I don't have a lot of information for you to download like I, I want us to react to this story to see this story put yourself in this story and like you put it in your heart wake up every day and put this wedding feast in front of us this is what we're living for this is what we the church are waiting for this is our the last table this is like our undying hope is that we will be present here Verse 6 comes up and we're like, the volumes are just incredible of this multitude of people, which earlier on in Revelation, we like find out that are from every tribe, every tongue, from all time, every race, every ethnicity, every time, like every time period, there will be people there who are like, know the Lamb, who love the Lamb. And it's going to be like this deafening like noise, right? God tells Abraham that his descendants will be more than the stars in the sky. And so John is up there in heaven. He has this vision of this wedding feast starting. And he just looks around and there's like multitudes upon multitudes upon multitudes of people that are there to worship God, to worship the Lamb. To worship the Lamb, which in Revelation 5 was the only creature worthy of opening the seals. Read Revelation 5. It's like incredible. And they're there. They're saying, Hallelujah for the Lord our God reigns. Like in other translation, I like it better. It says, I think it better gets the tense. It says that uh, his reign has already begun, that he began his reign already. And in verse 7, like we're all there and rejoicing, exulting, exalting the Almighty God. And we say, because it's like now time. time. The time has come for this meal to begin. 
for everything to change, like radically, eternally from that point on. It's time for the marriage between the Lamb and His bride, and the bride is His church, His messianic community, right? The visible sign of Jesus on this earth right now is His church, is His bride. And like, oh, like before we just even go on, like, picture that. Put that in your mind like right now. Like, if you belong to Jesus and if you hold on to Jesus for your, and for your life, like, if you have been saved by Jesus, if you believe in the story and his claims about the resurrection and his, uh, his death and resurrection, like, one day you will be at this meal. And just spend a moment picturing that. Looking around and seeing all those people with one purpose in mind, to worship Jesus. To give him all the praise. To say, like, yes, like, I, I want to be married to you. Like, crazy. This isn't a story, right? This isn't a fable. One day you will stand in this multitude and praise him. One day you're going to be at the wedding feast with the Lamb. And everything about everything is going to change after that point. Like, the end of suffering, the end of sin is like going to come to an end. It's on this meal. And from here on out, it's like God's total victory and reign in Him making everything completely new. Like, that's crazy. In verse 8, he continues, like, It was granted for the church to clothe herself with fine linen, and the linens are the righteous deeds done in difficult times. Like, oh, the church, living Holy Spirit, empowered resurrection lives like we talked about last week. Like, the church is ugly at times. The church is broken at times. The church is not perfect. Like, no, like, we hurt. And we've earned our bad reputation in many things that we do. Like, but like, Jesus loves His church. The Holy Spirit is preparing the church through the righteous deeds that it does. Like, oh, like don't ever give up on the church because it's Jesus' bride precious and beautiful to him. Jesus never gives up on the church, and so we should not do that as well. For all of her flaws and her ugliness, it's Jesus' love that makes us beautiful. And then the, like, the ceremony comes, the marriage comes between Jesus, the Lamb, and this bride. And then the angel that is showing John around, showing him these visions, he, say, he looks at him and he says, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. If you can remember, in Luke 14, we preached through a, the awkward, tense-filled meal that Jesus shares with the Pharisees. And to break the tension, one of them says, he shouts out, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And though like, his heart was probably nowhere near like, the truth and beauty of that, like, it remains to be true. And we hear it almost echoed completely here. It's like, oh, like blessed is everyone who is at this meal. Blessed is everyone who heard Jesus, who like, heard God, and who said yes to him. And find themselves at this meal. All of history is headed towards this Last Supper, this feast with its maker. It's like church, like, like today isn't about new information, it's about connecting with that. That meal's in front of us. It's like, oh, hold on. Like, oh, like, keep doing righteous deeds. Don't give up on hope. Don't give up on the living missionally, like what we're called to do. 
because this meal is in front of us and it's going to change everything. And so let's talk, our last point for today is lost to table. So like one of the things I've been, I've prayed that we've accomplished in this series is that we've looked at like the narrative, the narrative of Luke, the narrative of God's story. And now going to Revelation, we widen it. We look at like how Jesus' plan, it wasn't a coincidence, it's not something that he stumbled into, but like he used the table to bring us to his kingdom, to show us who he was and what he was like and what it was important to him. Because at the end, he's going to bring us to one more table, a table that will usher in like his full reign and his full kingdom coming here. Like us fully living with him and in his presence. And like now I just want to like open up the narrative a little bit more to like see like how like, God's redemptive story has been throughout this whole book. This whole book is his redemptive story of what he was doing. And like the first one that I think is so important for us to realize is that all of God's story is that he's taking us from the garden and he's bringing us at the end to a table. Uh, a pastor that I just unfortunately don't know who said this, I can't quote this appropriately, appropriately. he said this, the move of the narrative of redemption is from a garden to a supper. The whole move of the gospel is that there will be a feast. This meal is the cry of every human heart. Like, oh, like I, I love that. I find that beautiful. Like we started in a garden and we lost it. But God wasn't okay with us not being with him, right? Even one of our open table series was that he's this master who needs his house to be full, filled. So he set off this plan before the foundations of the earth were set. Uh, Ephesians tells us this. And it's going to result in this table, in this supper, where we enter into covenant with him, like with him directly, so that we can live with him for all of eternity. The move of this whole book, of this whole sacred holy text, is that he's taking us from the garden that we lost and bringing us back to a place to live with him at this meal. The marriage supper of the lamb is like the mark where like we're back with him fully and nothing will ever take us out of his presence again. And so the table to us is like us move from the garden to the table. This table also represents to us though from being lost to being found in marriage. I, I, one of the things I love about God's story is that marriage comes to us before the fall. Marriage isn't a, 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 what's the word? a, a symptom of the fall. We don't get married because life is hard and so we should just be with someone. No, but God, like God puts Adam and Eve together before sin comes into this world. And the very first words that, Mo that Moses, that Adam ever speaks is a love, like a love poem to his new bride. And he says, this is the first thing humanity ever said in scripture. In chapter two, Genesis two, starting in verse 23 says, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Like the very first thing that humanity ever said was like this profession of love to his bride. And then at the very end of history, where we're all headed towards is this other profession of love and of covenant and of marriage where Jesus takes us and he like, finishes off his plan to marry us to him. 
Like we are a collection of people who say like, yeah, like I need this marriage. I need to be united in covenant with Jesus. And they're like, this is what this story is about. It's about a God who wants to marry you, who loves you so much that he wants to eternally bound himself to you in marriage. That's beautiful. There's nothing manipulative about that, nothing oppressive about that, nothing ugly about that. It's like a God who loves you enough to give you everything, most importantly himself. Jonathan Edwards, he writes this, and he says this much better than I could ever say it. He says this, he writes this, Then the church shall be brought to the full enjoyment of her bridegroom, having all tears wiped away from her eyes, and there shall be no more distance or absence. She shall be brought to the entertainments of an eternal wedding feast, yea, to dwell eternally in his embrace. Then Christ will give her his loves, and she shall drink her fill. Yea, she shall swim in the oceans of his love. This is what this story is about. This is what the the table teaches us. That Jesus met us. He spent time with us. He built his relationship with us at the table. He showed us what he cared about, who he was, what his kingdom is built on. He like showed us and demonstrated to us what he's all about, that he's here for everyone who's lost, that he like loves us, and his final table to us is one in marriage. Like, I'm never going to lose you again. I tie myself to you for all of eternity. Beautiful. Like, I need this table. I need this last table. Like, Lord, thank you that the last table you give us is marriage, beautiful marriage, and that you make us beautiful. So let's conclude this a little bit. Let's tie this all together a bit. Um, To close, the story goes on from there. After 19, chapter 19 in Revelation, a couple of things happen. The new, the thousand year reign of Jesus, the defeat of Satan happens, like his throne comes, the new earth, the new heaven come, the new Jerusalem comes, the river of life come, and like everything is just so, so beautiful. And then the last couple of verses here, like, we're given instructions on what we do at the very end. In Revelation 22, starting in verses 16. Uh, Jesus says this in verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. I, I love this. Like, I mean, God was behind the writing of this story, right? So it finishes off perfectly. It's this morning to you and to me, like if you have been to Jesus's table, if you explore these claims and if you like come to believe in it, then like you join his body, you join this bride that is betrothed to him that will one day like be married to him. And then what's left? What do we do until this happens, until we're taken up into heaven? Like, what happens? What do we do? 
And one of our themes for this year is that we're called to invitational living. And so this is like, this is what happens. We are here with the Spirit waiting. And the Spirit and the Bride say, come. And that's what we're left here to do. To tell the whole world, like, come. Come to this table. Come to this covenant. Come to this marriage. Like, let anyone who is thirsty, come. Come. Let anyone who wants to drink of this water that has no price, like, come. And so that's where we're at. That's the age of the church that we're in. That we live these Holy Spirit resurrection lives empowered by the Holy Spirit. And with the Spirit's help and with His power and with His guiding to everyone you ever meet, in some way we say, come. And the person that you are and how you invite them into your life and how you treat them on how you work with people, on how we do literally everything. Like, how do we like, live invitationally and say, come. There's one last table in front of us, and I want you to be there. Like, you need to be at this table. It's what you, it's the hole in your soul that you're missing, is to be at this table, and you won't have that hole anymore. And so, church, that's what we're called to. That's why we're still here. In God's wisdom, that's why we are, the end has not come and this meal has not come yet is because we are people who are left here to say, like, come. To add to the multitude. To add to the volumes of people who are going to be there with us one day. It's like what we're made for. It's the joy of our heart. It's like the, the, one of the purposes of life is, the purpose is to worship God and then to bring others to Him. And so... We're still working as a church on how to respond to this. Like, what do we do with this? How do we do this? How do we live invitationally? And let's continue to explore that. In our next sermon series, we're going to be talking about Easter. Like, Easter is shortly approaching. And so, like, the church, like, our call is to live invitational lives. With the Spirit, we say, come. And so, if you want to talk to me this week about this, email me. And we'll set up a time to call, call me if you have my number. Email me at preese at citylifenj.com because I, I want to talk. Let's go get a cup of coffee. Let's go get a phone call and talk about what invitational life looks like. Like we, like it. The desire in my heart is that we bring more people to this meal. And so that's why we have MCs. That's why we gather. That's why we live together. It's to bring other people into God's family. And so, church, we love you all. We have church next week, and we'll see you at our MCs this week. Email us. Get in contact with us. We want to hear from you. I want to explore faith with you. And so let us know how we can do that. We love you. Thank you for these weeks in this Open Table Sermon Series. I pray that the table like, has changed the way you view Christ and the way He inter introduced, interacted with us and brought His kingdom. We love you all, and uh, we'll see each other next week. Bye.